I want to talk to you this morning about uh, the modern family, part three. The first week, we talked about the role of us. We talked about God's identity in us. And if you were here for Easter uh, Sunday morning, you remember I told the story about Timmy Smith. And really understanding who we are, that we have a Heavenly Father. And as Timmy Smith took his journey of discovering who his father was, it changed his life. And he went from being Timmy Smith to Tim McGraw, the world-famous country-western singer. Because he discovered who his earthly father is. But when we discover who our Heavenly Father is, our Heavenly Father who is good, our Heavenly Father who loves us, our identity changes. Our identity changes. Our relationship changes. And last week I spoke to the men and I talked about the men fighting for their families and fighting for their future, future generations, and, and really standing in the gap and being the men that God has called us to be. This morning I'm going to speak on the role of women. I'm going to talk about the modern woman today. Now the, the really cool thing is that I'm not going to do it by myself. I've got some great help today. But what I want to do today is I want to counter our culture. I want to counter our culture, and I want to raise the value of women, not only in the church, but in our culture at large. There's a concept in our world that's been completely lost. It's called the concept of honor, to show honor. The word honor in the Bible, you put it up on the screen for it, means to esteem, to value, to show great respect. To honor someone is to value them highly or bestow value upon them. And that's what I want to do today. I want you to leave here today believing that the women in our lives and the women in the kingdom of God and the women in the world are worthy of respect and honor. And even if they're not in a place yet where where naturally they are, we believe that God, that God sees them differently than you and I. You see, as Christ followers today, as Christ followers today, we want to redefine the modern woman of America. You see, the most popular and highest paid women in Hollywood are not models of godly virtue, but of sensual living. And the lie, the lie that a woman can have it at all, children without a dad, sex without consequences, and values based on her own feelings and morals. The fact is today, the fact is today, that pathway leads to death. But there is a pathway that leads to life. The pathway of favor with God favor with God, and honor among people. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Peter, speaking to men, said it like this. You husbands should try to understand. I love that. You should try to understand your wife. (laughs) Uh, Peter knew. I mean, it's never changed, right? We're trying to figure them out. You should try to understand the wives that you live with, honoring them as physically weaker, yet equal heirs, equal heirs with you of the grace of of eternal life. We're equal in Christ. Physically, a woman, maybe, now today, I watched a video this morning actually on YouTube. Uh, it was somebody posted on Facebook, and it was a little girl, and I don't know how old she was, maybe 18, 19, and to me that's a young girl, but she was 18 or 19, and she was doing push-ups against a, a Marine. You see that? And this girl's like, I'm like, dang, man, I do like two, and I'm like on the ground. And this Marine was like keeping up with her for like three minutes, and then he's like, and this girl's like, Wow, well, well, that girl might not be weaker, but most girls are a little weaker. But honoring them, honoring them, maybe as physically weaker, yet equal in heirs with you of the grace of eternal life. I want to change the culture right here in City Church. I want to present the culture, the value, the value that God places, the respect that God places on women. 
In Genesis 2, God, in Genesis 2, God created women. And they came alongside the man. And they accomplished the destiny that God had for them. Women, God has created you to be women of value. To be women of value. To be honored among people and to be favored by God. This week, our team went to Jacksonville. And, and we had a great time. Our staff went. And, and we were encouraged and challenged and fired up and motivated. And we worshiped God. And we got to get the way. And, and you know the times that I had the most fun, the times that I enjoyed the most, were the times that we just sat around the dinner table as a team, did life together. And the women that you're going to hear this morning are the women that went on this trip with us, my wife and I, this week. The first one that you're going to hear, the first person you're going to hear from is Dr. Natalie Wolf. And Dr. Natalie Wolf has come into our church. She actually came when she was 19 years of age as a college student, and, and she met she actually had met her husband before, but she married her husband, and uh, his name is Glenn Wolf, associate pastor here. And uh, she, I had the great honor of her going to her graduation when she became Dr. Natalie Wolf. And you're going to hear from Natalie what it is to be a working mom, the challenges that she faces. And, and then you're going to hear from Kristen Hayes, our children's pastor. And it's been such a great joy and delight to have Kristen and Doug as part of our team. And they're actually, Doug is like a founding member. He was like here the very first Sunday when he was 16 years of age. And to see their journey as they have four little kids, like from two to five, two to seven or something like that, and to, to see how they live their life. And then we're going to hear from Christina Williams, uh, our adult ministries coordinator, the one that's helped shape the discipleship ministry and our small group ministry and has impacted so many of you here in this room. And then from Joyce Shower our founding member with her husband, Hank, uh, and uh, to single-handedly to see how God, I remember those first weeks and the first few months, actually the first two years of our church, nobody brought more people to City Church than Joyce Shower. She dragged, she drugged, she pegged, she cajoled every single person in her apartment complex to come at least one time. And that's how City Church got built. And so you're going to hear from Joyce and her passion. And then finally you're going to hear from my beautiful wife. And you're going to hear a little bit of her story. Then I'm going to come back, and we're going to wrap this up. We're going to talk about how we, how we want. I'm going to talk to the women for just a few moments. And then I'm going to challenge us men to raise the culture of honor in this church. But without further ado, I want you to watch this video. Is how to lose a guy in 10 days. We met in sixth grade, and we were just friends, obviously. We've known each other for a really, really long time, so um, it was nice to get to know him without having that interest, so you really got to know who the person is. We got in an argument, and um, it was pretty much one of those pivotal moments where you knew how he answers this argument and how he answers this question is really going to determine whether we'd make it long-term or not, um, because it was pretty much asking him how are you going to fight for us you know even when it gets busy and we don't have time and um just the way we came out of that argument i really knew this is the guy that i'm going to do life together with um, we actually went to college separate so we never were in the same city throughout any of our college years he wasn't a distraction in me really discovering me he wasn't there to distract me from hearing from God and from growing me personally. I really got to go to my own city and, and kind of, I could do whatever I wanted and serve whoever I wanted. And, you know, I, I really decided then that I wanted to follow Christ and live a pure life. And we both discovered God in those moments separate so that when we came together, that became stronger. 
the demand for studying was so hard. I went to pharmacy school and there were days where I stayed up till two in the morning studying, would go to bed for three hours, wake up at five, and continue studying till my eight o'clock exam. So it was it was really a challenge to try and study God's word when you have so much other studying going on. And you have that person with you all the time to really see who you are and just making sure you're genuine, you know, everywhere you go. He's really challenged me to speak at events that I would have probably never done unless he really challenged me and believed in me. I'm still trying to figure that one out. Um, I feel like I've got a better handle on it now than I ever have. Um, but it's a challenge, especially when you work a 13-hour day. And so just learning to start your day off right has been a big, big thing for me. Just giving God my first and allowing Him to speak to me throughout the day. It's a challenge, but it's a balance. And knowing what your priorities are, you know, I'm starting to learn that I have to say no to some things. I do know that I want him to um, see me as a woman who prays and that encourages, and that's actually a weakness of mine, so I really need to work on it, but I want him to know that I'm his biggest fan and um, that I push people towards God and not away from God, and um, I love to see people grow, and I want him to see me active in that, not just have it be a passion but storm it, but to see people move forward in God. I'm a barbecue girl. Okay, good. I love anything barbecue. Like what? Barbecue <coughs> ribs, pulled pork, brisket. That was a really, really hard time. A really difficult time. It was totally unexpected. So, um, you know, it was my mom and dad, my sisters, our family together, and then suddenly it completely changed. And. Um, that really drove me closer to God. I knew my father was in heaven, and I wanted to see him again one day, and, and I knew I needed to lean on God to just really have complete healing. Yeah, she did. Um, about a year and a half later, our stepfather came into our life, okay. um, and it, it was a God thing, and it was really neat because it was easier for some of us and not. I have two sisters, and so um, it was a big adjustment for all of us. Uh, and it took time, but I just seen the way God has restored our family. Yes, we met in high school in our youth ministry there and got to be together. And we were friends for seven years before we even had feelings for each other. And so I got to know him well and his family well. I was kind of already a part of the family. And took me into a restaurant and then he took me to paint pottery. And if you know me, you know I like art. So I thought that was the coolest thing. You know, years of praying, like specific things for my husband and just whoever this guy was that God had for me. And then when Doug and I fell in love, I just knew. My first year of college, I was at a secular university getting a communications degree and serving my local church. And I was there like three or four nights a week serving different ways. And just really um, during that time of being away from my family, I spent time with the Lord every single day it was priority to me and um, just in that time of serving him and seeking his face I just really felt without a doubt God is calling me to kids ministry I have an awesome husband for sure uh, he helps me and um, the grace of God is on our lives like I have experienced it so much in these past two years 
more than I've ever had in my life. And just his hand on our life. If he's called us to do this, he's equipping us, he's allowing us to do it. He's really um, showing us how to do it. And Doug and I are so united on doing this thing together. Doug and I really rely on each other for support. And we're really, we go to God together and we, you know, just really find rest in God's presence. Because your children are ages? Two, three, five, and seven. It's crazy. <laughs> I want them to remember me by how much that I love the Lord and how much I love them. And that when they think about how much I love them, that is just a sample of how much God loves them. And to know that no matter what, they can always come to me the same way we can always come to God. Raising our kids the way God wants us to. And, and it's a challenge in the sense as parents, you have all these different personalities in your house. And different things work for different kids and we're constantly looking at each individual child and, and the challenges that arise out of, of different behaviors and really being intentional with how we parent them and how we discipline them and making sure we are always on the same page and communicating openly, praying together over situations and really hearing from the Holy Spirit on how to deal with certain behaviors. Family. I'm so passionate about the family. My family, other people's families. And really seeing parents really pour into their kids' lives and really raise them God's way, really being intentional about who they want their kids to become and not just go day to day and just surviving, but really thriving as a family. Well, I have two. Okay. Uh, my children were adopted during my first marriage and Kip has four, so we have six kids together. We have 16 grandkids and one on the way. At City Church, I coordinate adult ministries, which includes discipleship and small groups. I think the people who hate divorce the most and who understand that God hates it are people who've been divorced. Uh, because you see the pain in it, even though uh, there may be scriptural grounds for it. It's extremely painful. Somebody said it's like gluing two sheets of paper together after they dry and trying to tear them apart. And uh, divorce is, is very painful, uh, even though I didn't feel like I had any other choice. I had a lot of guilt about being divorced and uh, uh, because I initiated the divorce. But I just spent time with him. I would get up, I would get up at four in the morning. Started getting up at five in the morning and then I just enjoyed the time so much I got up at 4.30 and then I would wake up at four. Just spend time with him before I went to work and it was, it was so precious. It was just such precious time. You, you feel alone. You feel al not just alone like you no longer have a husband, but you feel like people don't see what you don't have. People don't recognize what you're missing in your life. And I think some of the greatest trauma that I had as a single mom, believe it or not, had to do with a lawnmower. That I had to you know, mow the lawn, lawnmower would quit, and oh my goodness. I remember one time just when the lawnmower just quit, I just sat down right there in the middle of the half mown yard and just cried. I just cried. And uh, you just don't have anybody to do 
the, the things that you can't do and you don't have anybody to bounce things off of, you know. Well, uh, we met at church. We were actually in a small group together as well. We went to visit newcomers to, to the church in the, in, uh, at night. And um, so we went a couple times together. And, uh, and in the middle of our courtship, I had already decided to go into youth with a mission and leave. So I went ahead with that. And we, I, I left what I thought was going to be forever, going to be a missionary with my two daughters. And, uh, but I realized it was more challenging than I thought to do that as a single mother. So I ended up back uh, in my hometown at, uh, after five months, and we restarted our courtship, and uh, the rest is history. You know, we don't do it in, in maybe a traditional way. We each have our separate time with God, uh, and then we'll share a scripture that we that you know moved each one of us. Uh, we'll pray together. We don't pray together every day, but we'll pray together over important things. And uh, we'll just talk with each other about um, lessons we've heard, things we've learned, scriptures. And so that's that's how we kind of stay on the same So you talk about the things level. of God together? Yes, we do. The whole blended family. Uh, it's been with our children. Uh, his children, my children, and relationships with ex-wives, all of those, ex-husband, just all of that. I believe in growing in Christ. I think my life message is find a way to grow in Christ. I was a teenager, you know, drinking, smoking pot, and a girl that I worked with kept inviting me to this Friday night guitar thing that they had at the Bible college, finally just so she'd leave me alone, I went. And I looked at them and I thought, you know what, I want that. I want something like that in my life. Everything changed. No more pot, no more drinking. Just wanted to focus on God, wanted to learn about God. Just felt like he had something for my life. And I wanted to find out what it was. It wasn't easy, but it's always good. And now when I look back, the hard times that I've had in my life, and there's been many hard times, you know, divorce and having to work through the guilt of a divorce and um, moving back to Florida and having to deal with our children and not seeing them. But you know what? When God has a plan for your life, you've got to not see what everybody else wants. Well, I have an awesome husband that loves the Lord. That helps a lot. Just spend my time with him every morning. I know it sounds like a cliche, and we always say, you know, spend time in the Word. But I'm telling you, if you don't spend time with I want to empower others to feel that they can impact the world as well. You know, we have how many teenagers that are going on this mission trip with us to the Dominican Republic? Their lives are going to be changed because we're taking them outside their comfort zone. We're taking them to a place that they've never been to before. They're going to learn to stand up in front of others and give their testimony. They're going to minister to children that have no one that cares about them. They're going to be moving tables. They're going to be tired. They're going to be eating food that is not enjoyable to them. And they're going to learn what it's like to serve the Lord. It's not always fun and easy, but it's always good.
I found out that God will always provide for whatever he calls you to do. Because that was a concern as a woman. You know, how are we going to do this? He always provides financially, emotionally, um, in every way that you need, he provides it. Sometimes you have to just think, okay, Lord, it's only you. You know, I just got to keep my eyes focused on you to accomplish this task that you called me to do. Means we have more time to give to the Lord to do the things that we really want to do because there's no restrictions as far as work goes. You know, when you're working full time, you're restricted. You go to work in the morning, you come home at night, you have certain things you have to do. So you're restricted in what you can do. You're restricted more towards to the church because that's where you are and that's all the time you have. But when you're retired, there's no limitations as to what you want to do. So retirement to me is just having more opportunities to go outside the church walls or to even be inside the church walls and give more of your time, more of your effort um, to serve the Lord. A person plans their ways, the Lord directs their steps. And it's really good to have a plan for your life. That's a really good thing. Um, a piece of advice that my pastor's wife gave me when I was about that age was, Laura, if you're not married yet, just keep preparing yourself for whatever the Lord has for you. So you can't, as a single woman, put your life on hold, put your life on the back burner, waiting for Mr. Perfect to come around before you before you go forward in your plans and your life and your preparation. I think it's um, super important for women to remember that, uh, you know, John 15 says, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, ordained you, that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. And most people do better serving God's purpose in their life as a team with someone else, whether it's with your husband or whether it's with your family. Uh, but just knowing that for single women, as you're preparing for your future, you want to prepare yourself to be all that the husband that you'd like to, the type of husband that you'd like to be married to be would need. I think as single women, sometimes you think that it's all about you and that it's about what your dreams are for the future. And all of us, in whatever stage we're in, there's such freedom in knowing that God has the master plan. God has the aerial view of your life. We are on a small little pinpoint on the timeline, and we don't we don't see what's coming. And then, and uh, Proverbs three it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He'll direct your paths." It really is trusting God, preparing yourself where you're at being all that you can be, being fruitful in, in where you can be, and knowing that he's going to bring the right mate into your life, if that's his plan for you, to fulfill his purpose. And then it really becomes a great adventure in life. You know, um, the first time I had cancer was about 14 years ago. And uh, my kids were really little, so a lot of my concerns were about the possibility of maybe dying and not being able to raise them. And once I, I got a hold of that, once I, I uh, really understood that this was not going to end in, in death, but it was for the glory of God, um, that was what really helped me in that situation. This last time when I had thyroid cancer, uh, there were two really difficult months, including a month where uh, Part of it, I was on radiation isolation, and I just had to stay in each each day, be thankful in each day, even for little things, and also um, remember that everybody's got something, 
And what I mean by that is even though I was going through thyroid cancer, I was, uh, didn't know what the future held, there are other people that had even more serious situations that they were going through. Sometimes survival really is being thankful every day and reaching out to someone else so that your mind is not on yourself. It seems simplistic, but it really is about staying thankful and also uh, keeping your mind renewed in the Word uh, so that when negative thoughts, negative situations do come your way, you are filtering it through God's Word and you're turning those thoughts around as, as uh, they come into your mind so that you're weeding out negative thoughts. You're just not allowing yourself to stay in a negative frame of mind. There was uh, something that I read by Max Licato years ago, and it was that a child is not a book to be written, but a book to be read. And uh, it really, you know, when I, I, um, I had Austin, uh, I had real, uh, real similar uh, pregnancy with Austin and with Keenan. They both came very early, and I was on bed rest for weeks and weeks and weeks. And, uh, but when Keenan was put in my arms, he was so different than Austin. But especially at first, I thought that you raised them exactly the same way. And, um, but I've learned to, um, as you're raising children, um, to try to discern how God has wired them and then expose them to as many different uh, experiences, opportunities for education, training, sports, activities, so that you can see what will emerge from their personality and then train them in that way. Um, and not try to just stamp your seal of uh, your cookie cutter on their life to make them the way that you think that they should they should be. Um, you make sure that they have training in the Word of God, but that they have opportunities to figure out where how they're wired and how they are uh, best you know, how God is going to use them in His kingdom to advance His His purposes. I would just say to bloom where you're planted and just be all you can be and have, have a great adventure in life regardless of whether you're single, uh, regardless of whether you're married, uh, if you're widowed. Just give yourself to serving God's purposes and not worrying about the next season of your life. Just enjoy exactly where you're at. Um, enjoy being with God's people and uh, enjoy being part of a local church where uh, together as a church body we're moving forward and we're extending and multiplying his kingdom on the earth. Awesome. The old timers used to say you might see their glory but you don't know their story and we all have a story. The, to raise the culture of honor and value. The Bible says be devoted to one another to love. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. My wife and I have been married for 27 years. And I can tell you, my wife loves to have fun. She loves to have fun. There's a picture of us uh, when we took a vacation a couple of years ago celebrating our 25th anniversary. And uh, we bought this little cheap umbrella. It was raining where we were at. And, and it was just fun. To, to the great adventure that we've lived in. But it hasn't been easy. As a matter of fact, my wife was sexually abused from the time she was four years of age by her father. She's gone through cancer and lots of challenges in life. But when I said, Laura, will you move from Seattle with all the security 
great jobs, great life, wonderful friends. Will you move with me to Central Florida so that we can start a church? She said yes. She wants to live the great adventure. She wants to live the purpose that God has for her life. Each of the women that we heard from this morning, they have a story. But to see how God has worked in their life as they've done several things. First of all, my wife helped summarize, and I love what she said when she talked about, you know, prepare yourself for whatever your future may hold. And that's for every person in the room. But for women in particular, the Bible says that, that the horse is prepared for battle, but victory comes from the Lord. Wherever you are at today, you're a single lady, you're, you're a married person, wherever you're at, constantly preparing ourselves for God's future. Because God has a future. God has a destiny. God has a plan. And so we're preparing ourselves for the future that God would have us. And then she talked about keeping positive. How do you stay positive when you're getting chemo treatments? I watched my wife stay positive. I watched her make jokes about the things that she was experiencing. And sometimes people around her were like, are you kidding me? You're joking right now? But the way that she handles the the challenges in life is that she has to keep humor in it. And the Bible says that the merry heart is like a good medicine. And when you're sad and when you're dejected and you're focusing on your problems and how difficult life is and the pity party of your circumstances and situation, you'll never live the abundant life. As a matter of fact, you'll feel bad and you'll walk through life feeling defeated. And, but that's not God's plan for you. That's not God's purpose for you. And then she talked about, about serving God's people and his purposes in your generation. My wife is a daughter of a local church. Her mother died when she was 12 years of age. And at the age of 12, her mother willed her to her church. How about that? Willed her and her two services to the church. When she was living with the family, my wife really understood that her real family was the family of God. I don't know how else to say this today. So many people treat the local church as an option in their family and their life. But I want you to know, if you're going to live the life of abundance, if you're going to live life to its fullness, if you're going to live the grace and the favor of God upon your life, you've got to be committed to God's church. It's God's design. It's the hope of the world. The hope of the world for the brokenness and the pain that people are going through today is the family of God. The family of God. Committing yourself to God's people. The serving God's people. And when you serve God's people... You show that you really love Him. That's how it works, guys. We're kingdom people. We're here. We're here today to experience the favor of God. And do you know how we experience the favor of God? When we do His will. Some people want luck to fall on them. So many people live life hoping that luck happens to them. Hoping that they'll scratch it rich in the lottery. That they'll get a big income tax check. That something will fall off a truck and blessing will just land in their life. No, that's not how it works today, guys. Luck just doesn't happen to us. We make a decision to walk out the will of God. And when we make a decision to walk out the will of God, His favor falls upon us. Because God favors His righteous cause. Whether you're male or female today, the fact is today we raise the value of honor in this house by by understanding that God created women uniquely. And and In the book of Acts, the Bible says... That God would pour out His Spirit on all flesh. On your sons and your daughters. And at City Church, we believe that women have a destiny designed and planned by God. That God wants to use women to expand His mission in their own families. 
in their own families first, but then also through the church and through His kingdom. We're kingdom multipliers. I'm here today as a direct product of a woman who would stand in the gap for me. I look back over my life and I think of all the Sunday school teachers and the different people, the different women that spoke into my life. Prophetic words at right times that literally changed the course of my life. And to think of my mom, to think of my mom when I was far from God, when I was living a life of complete rebellion, who wouldn't give up, who kept praying, who kept believing, who kept crying out to God. The fact is, women today, you're highly favored of the Lord. You know, I, 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 I think of in the Bible how God views people. You know, God views people differently than men views people. In the Old Testament, there's a story about a woman by the name of Rahab. You know, by world standards, she wasn't really worth anything other than to be sexually objectified by a bunch of men, to be sexually abused, taken advantage. And her only source of income, the only thing she knew to do with her body was to sell herself. She was a prostitute, you know. But when God looked down from heaven, he didn't see a prostitute. He saw the potential of a woman of faith. Oh, wow. You can read in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, and you see listed in the annals of great people of faith, this woman by the name of Rahab. Wow, God saw her differently. She was highly favored of the Lord. And in Scripture, she is honored today as a woman of faith. Do you know why? Because she believed. She believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. She believed that God could turn her captivity and save her family. And when God came to her, she put her hope in Him. And you go to the New Testament, you see a woman exactly the opposite. A young lady by the name of Mary, who the Bible says was a righteous woman. She was a righteous woman. And when the angel of the Lord comes to her, he says, Mary, you are highly favored with God. Highly favored. I like that title. I want God coming to me. I want to be highly favored with the Lord. You know why she was highly favored? Because she was willing to believe. She was willing to believe. But I want to talk to the men for just a moment. Because our culture today is so perverted, so twisted, so sick. The role of women, the value of men and women have been, have been objectified to a sexual image on a screen or in a magazine or in a movie. And I want to talk to the men today, real men, men of valor, men of dignity, men, real men today. They don't hit a woman. Come on, they don't, they don't verbally abuse women. They don't treat women. They don't base the value of a woman by what they can do in bed, but they base the value of a woman by the way that God sees them and their purposes and the, the things that they can accomplish through His kingdom. They have a completely set, different set of values. And as men of God today, we value the women in our life as gifts. That's what they are. They're gifts from God. My wife is a gift from God. The Bible said that when I found my wife, found a good thing and obtained favor. I have favor on my life. I have favor on my life because of my wife. I'm starting a new revolution here at City Church. Wife for life. Everyone say, wife for life. Men, wife for life. Wife for life. We make a decision today. Now listen to your past and all that. I get it. Now, but today's a new day. We're starting from today. Old things, we're not looking at the past. We're moving forward into the future you're a single man today. You're making a commitment. And you know what you do that? By, you start by doing it by the women that are around you now. You start by treating the women around you as a gift. And you honor them. And you respect them. You don't oogle them and Google them and goggle them. 
You undo them. Some were real men do. They they show proper respect and dignity. And they speak words of blessing. They speak words of blessing. You know how to change the environment in your life? You know how to change the environment in your home? Be a person of blessing. I don't know about you, but it's so easy for me to be critical. Pastor Tom and his wife worked on this video for a lot of hours. And when I was watching it, I've watched it now many times now to try to, you know, just look at it. And all I could see, all I could see were the little things that weren't quite right. Because we're just built, we're hardwired, we're like looking for fault. But that's not how we walk in the favor of God. You know, we walk in the favor of God with people of blessing. He that would love life and see good days, the Bible said, will refrain his tongue from speaking evil. Oh, as men in this house, we're going to bless the women of this house. God actually spoke this into my heart today. I mean, God just spoke this into my spirit. As a matter of fact, I want you to hear this. Women, I want you to hear this today. You are valued. You are valued by God. You are loved by God. You're favored by God. And you're honored among the people because of this. The Bible says, For God wanted you to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you. And this is the secret. This is the secret, women. This is the secret. This is why you're valued. This is why you're honored with with God. Because Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. Changes your identity, changes your worth, your self-image, your understanding who you are. God loves you today. I want you to close your eyes. God's speaking to us today at the church. God wants us to start a new revelation, a new revolution of raising the change in the culture, and the way that women are viewed, and the way that women are valued. Women that are here today, maybe you bought into the world's lie. God wants you to change your perspective. God wants you to experience His favor. The favor of God rests upon those who will do and live His purposes. God wants you to experience honor among the people. And that's why living a life surrendered to Him. If you're here today, you're a woman. Let's just talk to the women just for a moment. You've been really challenged. You have lots of cha- what you have lots of obstacles, lots of difficulties. You don't feel that sense of dignity and respect. I want you to know that I love you today. More than me loving you, God loves you. God wants to touch your heart. God wants to bring healing to you today. If you're a woman in this house right now, you just want me to pray a prayer of blessing over you. Just lift your hand right where you're at. Come on. Any woman in this room right no shame in this. Come on, this is powerful. God loves you. God sees that hand all across this room. Put your hand down. I want you to receive this prayer. I want you to hear this today. Then the Lord said to you, tell your sons, tell the men to bless the people of City Church with a special blessing. May the Lord bless and cause to prosper and to make happy you and to protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. 
May the Lord show you His favor and give you His peace. Whenever Eugene and his sons bless the women of City Church in my name, I myself will bless them. God, right now, every woman that raised her hand, bless, protect them, provide for them. God, bring peace into their life. And God, in this house today, among the men today, I pray that you will change mindsets. God, that you will liberate, that you will speak to the men of this house, that they were to walk blameless before you, that they were to be men of God that show honor to the women that are in their life, the women that are in their sphere of influence. They are to respect them and treat the older women as their mothers and the younger women as their sisters. God, I ask right now that your favor would rest upon this house. Jesus, your wonderful and mighty name. Amen. Hey, can we give Pastor a hand for that this morning? The ladies. Our ushers are coming forward at this time. We're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And there are many ways you can give here at City Church and give online at orlandocitychurch.com. You can use the giving kiosks that are out front. And, uh, of course, you can give cash and check in the offering envelope. It's right in front of you. Or you can give like my wife and I did yesterday, Saturday, about 430. She just got her phone out. She said, hey, I haven't tithed yet, and, uh, and also we gave to reach, and we did it in about 30 seconds. We were driving about 70 miles down the road. My wife was in the passenger seat. She said, man, that was so easy, and I just, we get, we'd get little knuckles and said, man, we're done, you know, so, uh, so maybe if you haven't figured that out yet, or if you'd like to learn how to text your offering in, you can get the, uh, the text to give uh, insert that's right in the seat pocket in front of you, and the scripture for this month is found in the third chapter of John, verse 16. Can we say it together? Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him wouldn't perish, but would have eternal life. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave. That's our motivation. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.14, he said, for Christ's love compels me. Nothing else, not about rules or somebody forcing you to do anything. It's just his love for us compels us to give to others, right? And I want you to know your giving is making a difference here at City Church. Countless lives are being changed because of your generosity, and I just want to applaud you for that. Let's ask God to bless our offering this morning as we give. Father, we thank you, God, for the gift and the giver this morning. We ask you to multiply it. Lord, we, uh, we ask you that your name would go further and greater and extend beyond what we could do on our own. God, we pray your blessing over families today. God, we pray that you would uh, bring financial increase, God, so that people can provide, so that people can be a blessing to others. Lord, we pray for our city. God, we pray for Sanford. Lord, we pray for the prosperity of Sanford. God, we pray for the finances of Sanford. That, Lord, that all those that are, are that have hungry bellies today, all those that are in need, all those that have been, uh, feel, feel maybe just completely outcasted because of finances. Lord, we pray that you would meet them right where they are. Use us. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.